Welcome to the Honest CP Podcast. We are the podcast for health professionals and the wider community. Look at explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches, and joining me as always is Allied Health business owner Andrew, who is not with me right now. He is with me and Sarah Woodruff in the studio. And we're going to jump right back in to part two. And Sarah's going to introduce a second beer, and we're going to talk about COVID and some business ownership stuff. It's very interesting. See you there. What's this second one you've got here for us, Sarah? Thank you. <laughs> this next one is Christmas-themed. Hey! Um, so it's Big Jolly Boy. <laughs> uh, so when I sent you guys beer, uh, it was from oh. Bright Brewery. Yeah. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, I think I sent you a, it was a, maybe a black IPA. Yeah. Um, mm, black diamond or something. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so this one is another West Coast IPA. So on the same theme, but, um, but you know, brewed in the mountains instead. So mm. it is, this is the foothills to the Alps where we go skiing. The Alps. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Are we, are we it's baby Alps, but Alps? yes. <laughs> Come on. The mountain range. The, All right, it's the low range. the low foothills Some hills. of Australia. <laughs> They're which, pretty which big Alps? if you ride a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um which which ski resort are we talking at foothills of? Uh Falls Creek and Mount Hotham. Okay, mm. there you go. Mm. I do know those two places. Mm. What's the third ski resort in? Oh, uh, in the Epic Pass or in the? No. <laughs> okay. uh, now Buller. Where's Mount Buller? Buller is um, further south. So okay. if you come up the Hume yep. towards you guys from us. Yeah, towards the Aubrey-Wodonga border. <laughs> you'll, um, yeah, Buller's the closest one to Melbourne. So mm-hmm. that takes about four hours. Mm. Falls and Hotham is closer to five. So Bright's about four hours and then you would... Head to either of those. Very nice. Mm. There you go. Once again, a very good tasting beer. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's a larger beer. <laughs> Volume wise. And still the is. same percentage. So, mm. so <laughs> you guys are getting an to- Uber home. <laughs> <laughs> on top of the 2.0 sand drinks, added another 2.3 on top of that. And I think, Angie, that brings you to just within driving range. Yeah. Might have a little kip before I go <laughs> yeah, home. That's a good idea. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear! No, it's a very good beer, and it's got a nice little cartoon of a of a big jolly Santa in um, uh, <laughs> a wife beater and and <laughs> rugby shorts, um, barbecuing some shrimp with some emus and a koala. There you go. How you Aussie go. Christmas is that? Yeah. Doesn't get any better than that, eh? Um, I thought I would take advantage of having two business owners, two EP business owners, uh, <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> you just grabbed you? that beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, business owners. Um, uh, we were talking yesterday, Sarah, and we went to breweries in Brookie uh, about COVID. Um, and, you know, I don't think I can even really relate my COVID experience whatsoever to what it must have been like for you guys. Um, I was very lucky to be an employee. Uh and have a caseload. So life kind of continued. I came to work five days a week. I saw my clients. I got my fortnightly paycheck uh, and I went home. Uh, but over that period, I noticed that Andrew um, was very stressed. 
Um, and he looks, <laughs> he's got a bit more pe- uh, salt in that beard than there was uh, before. <laughs> it's a bit more salt and pepper than just pepper anymore. Um, and I imagine there was a, a similar time down in Melbourne as well. Uh, a very stressful time for you guys. I'm interested to hear for us um, healthcare professionals that did have an okay time career-wise through that period what it was like for the people behind the scenes uh, who were really, really up against it. Um, and, you know, small business owners were, you know, very, very hardly hit. Oh, no, were hit very hard is the word I was trying mm-hmm. to use there. What was that period like for you? It was not fun. Mm. Um, no, it was, it was an absolute shitstorm down in Melbourne. We went from small lockdowns to a big lockdown to small, 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 and then one that was um, that really killed a lot of businesses. Um, we, for a long time, were able to see people as long as um, it was deemed essential, which a reasonable proportion of our clientele was. Um, and then that final lockdown, I'm not sure what the step up from essential is, but um, they they labelled it higher, and so the really? only clients we were able to see were we could justify a few neurological people. So we had literally about half a dozen clients that we were wow. able to see face to face. Because if we didn't see them, they would genuinely deteriorate, have a fall, end up in the medical system, and that would be problematic. So it was very easy to justify them. But on top of that, a big part of our role as EPs is to promote independence. So Mm. when we went into lockdowns, a lot of our clients went, yeah, I'm good. Mm. You've written me programs, like, I'm okay. And we'd check in with them from time to time. Um, And for us at Simply Stronger, we had gone through quite a sizable growth in the year leading up, mm. we'd gone from myself working full-time and one part-time employee working two days um, to myself, another full-timer um, and two part-timers. So when we um, then downsized all of that because we're in lockdowns, it just brought it back to the income that we were bringing in at the same time a year ago. So we never qualified for JobKeeper. Oh, wow. So trying to keep people on board while dealing with all of that. um, And we fortunately, to a degree, still managed to grow because that was when NDIS was really taking Mm. up in our area. So you had um, NDIS participants where every other service has gone to telehealth Mm. and we were in a gym space that we shared with personal trainers but they were obviously all outside um so we had this giant gym um (laughs) or just under 180 square meters um that we could use um and we we actually ensured that it was only one EP and one client and we shut off sessions so that it was always a window in between before the next client so you could clean everything and do all the stuff so that you were keeping everyone safe and all of the masks and everything else that we did um, just to keep the doors open. Uh, it was an extremely stressful time. How was it for you, Andrew? <laughs> I, I think Melbourne had a particularly 
particularly savage time. It, it was a special case. Yeah. 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 Were there any? I'm not going to say highlights. What What are some of the learnings for you coming out of COVID? Because obviously, you were not one of those businesses that um, fell over. Mm-hmm. You 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 stayed the course. Um, what did you learn from it? Um, learn to uh, pivot a lot. Uh, so we tried different things that um, some of them worked and some of them didn't. Um, we learnt where to um, spend our time more. So uh, the staff that I had um, were a lot more accountable for their time. So they understood prior to that we would... Um, you know, make a lot of phone calls and follow up with people and shoot them an email and all of that sort of stuff um, and you wouldn't charge for that. And that's that's fine. That's just part of the customer service. Mm. But they learnt to be much more, can we book in a time to have this conversation? Mm. Like, let's actually have an appointment because I don't work for free. And that valuing... Your time, that certainly changed in everyone's um, mindset. For me, as a business owner, I learnt um, about uh, the staff that I wanted to have around me um, because there was some staff. um, I had one staff member who turned to me in the middle of a lockdown and said, um, I do not care if I don't get paid. I am going to be okay. What is important is that the business is here to support people on the other side of this. And that that's a special circumstance, but you can imagine as a business owner, I was very grateful. Mm. And another one, the moment we came out of a lockdown asking for a pay rise. Tough. Yeah. Mm. You know, so there were, yeah, lot, lots of little... Le- learnings from that um learning a lot more about budgeting and what i needed to do to keep the doors open because we actually moved simply stronger into its own um space Mm. in uh october 2020 yeah so we felt like (laughs) i'd been looking for a space for at least three years Mm. um and finally this space became available at the time um, because someone had broken their lease and news agents had moved out. Mm. Um, there, I actually had a two-year buffer where I was paying um, 20% less in my rent um, because mm. someone else had to make up that shortfall. And I thought, that's my COVID buffer. I'll be fine. Mm. Spoilers, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and mm. we still had to borrow more money to get through it mm. because, as I say, that last lockdown, it really killed us. Not only did um, we had literally hired people um, the month before, I had walked in to work that morning ready to go on holidays the next day um, and one of my staff members came to me and said, um, so what do we do if we go into Lockdown. I'm like, why are we going into lockdown? He said, six cases today. And I said, oh, shit. Mm. Dan Andrews, magic number's five. Oh. <laughs> We're going into a lockdown. Fuck. 
Um, and we had uh, one staff member that was leaving in a week's time and one that was leaving two weeks later um, and three newbies that had uh, two of them had been inducted and one of them was going to start while I was going to be on leave. Mm. Um, and as the day wore on, it became increasingly clear that this lockdown was going to happen and um, I turned to my most senior staff member who was also leaving a week later and I went, I've, I've got to go. She's like, yeah, get the fuck out this door. Mm. Um, and we drove to Bride. <laughs> 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 um, and we had, uh, my partner and I had two weeks up there and his comment to me was, are you sure you want to go? And I'm like, yes, mm. this 5Ks is boring. Mm. I need a different 5Ks. Yeah. Even if I'm locked down for two weeks, I mm. just need to be somewhere else mm. um, and in that lockdown we lost two of the new staff members that we just hired because mm. they just couldn't stay on board and mm. we again we didn't have JobKeeper we didn't have those kinds of supports so it was a very very tough time but um, we have seen through that mm. and um, grown significantly since then. If it was to happen again, mm -hmm. not that it will. <laughs> not that it will. How w would you approach it differently? Yes. Yeah. Um, we didn't do a huge amount of telehealth. We stuck mm -hmm. with what we could do face to face. We had some clients that were very willing to shift to telehealth, um, but I would be promoting that more readily to GPs as. Um, because it, it kind of always felt like we've just got to fix it once it's done. So all these diabetics that aren't getting the appropriate amount of treatment, who aren't getting the education mm. or anything else, um, like we started up a diabetes program as soon as we came out of one of the lockdowns. It mm. quickly died as we went back into another lockdown. Mm. But, um, you know, you would be able to promote to them, look, we know that this is not an ideal scenario, but most of what we do is education and behavioural change anyway, and we can mm. do that via telehealth. So, um, you know, send us the referrals and we'll be able to help keep things ticking along. Mm. When we can teach more exercise face-to-face, -face, that's great, but until then, let's go. Mm. I think it's important. I think, you know, COVID... COVID... I don't want to think as a sort of a once-off, right? Because I, I think it might be easy for a lot of people to just go, oh, like that'll never happen again. Like that was shit and I don't need to think about it ever again. And I think you'd be naive. I think you'd be naive as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to have these kind of contingencies in plan now that there is mm -hmm. a bigger team, now that there's more people to support, now that... Um, We've had some practice. We've had some <laughs> practice. Like, why not fucking have that there? Yeah. So that... We do a lot more telehealth now than we ever did and we never even really saw it as an option. Mm. Um, like, we have clients... 
Um, some of our clients are grey nomads. They travel around the country. <laughs> we and, have some of those. Yeah. <laughs> and we see them, whether it's, um, you know, Zoom, phone calls, mm. whatever. You can give them a program anywhere. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, but you just have that half hour conversation about here's what you're doing and we'll send you videos. Mm. DVA clients, are they? They are not. Oh, <laughs> oh. That's a DVA client. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. mm. um, and that, you know, I've I've seen people um, in many different countries over the years, and in particular through COVID, I saw people that were overseas and interstate because it became so much more accessible. Mm. Um, and when you see that as an opportunity as opposed to a hindrance, um, and when I hear people like lots of different business owners in other states talk about how they just pivoted and everything went to telehealth and everything like that, and it's like... Okay, you did you, you did a great job. It was a shit show <laughs> in mm. Melbourne. It was really, really hard to think on your feet and stay on top of the game when um, everything around you was falling apart. Mm. You know, and everyone was miserable. You would have a weekly telehealth with someone and all they'd do is complain. Because we were all in this same miserable situation with no end in sight um, and it got really, really miserable. So it was great when we started a new clinic and I got to spend six weeks renovating it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's really interesting. I've, I've only talked to a couple of people who were in Melbourne during lockdown and their experience seems very different, very different to what ours was. I felt like my life didn't change that much. And Fuck off. I know. <laughs> I know. I know exactly, right? Seriously? Um, seriously. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, I was employed by a employer who managed COVID incredibly well. Try again. JobKeeper. Yes. <laughs> and? And, oh, and. Good question. I don't know. You pivoted, right? You you had a very loyal and dedicated client base mm. that when you said, hey, we should go to telehealth, they were like, okay, that sounds fine. Mm. Interesting. I felt like the the business was diversified enough already to be able to pivot reasonably seamlessly from, from my end anyway um probably didn't feel seamless at all probably wasn't seamless uh it definitely wasn't seamless there, there, were, no, there were no seams there were seams everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah there were seams literally everywhere yeah lots yeah. of stitches oh would have been great it was you sewing yeah, yeah. imagine that but um, you had someone who could figure that stuff had out. someone like i was who, full-time with clients yeah while trying to figure out all the things this is while so true Esa posts a thing saying you can no longer see medicare clients yeah that was it yeah mm. Up on ridiculous. the Facebook page. No explanation. Just mm. this must stop mm. immediately. Much harder for you. Thank you. Seeing <laughs> clients full time and trying to deal with this. While had you had you stopped seeing clients yeah, by then? It was it was around about that time. Yeah. Mm. No, I was still seeing clients because because no, I remember yeah. I remember seeing a client one day, mm -hmm. and this was very early on. Before lockdowns or anything like that. Would have been like and we April had, 2020. It was we very had early. just put a TV up in our clinic. First time. 
Um, and I had this very long-term client that I was seeing for a bunch of things. Um, and he, he was a very respected kind of businessman sort of thing. And one day he came in and he's like, can we put the news on? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, pop it on. He's like, you should really watch this because this is about to like happen. Two days later, the UK went into lockdown mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, this is, a, this is a thing. We should like be prepared for this. Um, and so mm. Murray was mm. like, a, gave me a little bit of forewarning mm. that it was going to happen. But then again, like, what do you do with that information? Like, mm. at, that still time, no plan in at that time, to... we're a service-based business. Like, yeah. what, telehealth what? Like, I don't know how to do that. I'd yeah. never used Zoom before. We didn't, I don't think we no. had a Zoom account. It was account. Skype back then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. was this Zoom? Mm. Yeah. So, Yeah. Very testing the waters. Mm. Mm. Don't know how we got there. Um, I was. You're you're not being overly affected by COVID. Yeah. is what you were saying. It was just a great yeah. time in my life. You know. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> so, I think I was protected by the experience that you were having because. Financially, as an employee, you were protected a little bit. Um, as an employer, as a business owner, there's the protections were, especially in Victoria, uh, they were not there. Um, so, and business owners in general would have had to pivot. Like pivoting is such a good yeah. word because the amount of different fucking things we did in that period uh, was oh. wild. It was absolutely I, wild. You, you painted a very pretty picture of what it looked like it was not it was not a fun time like Mm. there were we we made um four people redundant going into this Mm. Mm. um i don't know about you but i certainly didn't take a wage for quite a period of time no um i don't think employees actually understand that no i I didn't take a wage and then when one of the employees that I'd kept on specifically Mm. as an investment in the business quit, Mm. I wanted to kill them. Mm. Mm. Like I, it took me a long time to remove that grudge Mm. and it's not their fault. Mm. 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 Yeah. They had their own life stuff going on. It's nothing to do with them. But, and why would they know that I didn't take a wage? Mm. Mm. Because Mm. I'm not going to openly say to them, oh, you know, I'm not taking a wage yeah. so that you can get paid to yeah. stay on board because yeah. we're not lucky enough to get JobKeeper. Mm. It was really interesting because you did tell us that you were not you were not taking a wage during that. And as a naive employee, I didn't even realise that that was something that was uh, not an option, but like was a possibility that like, what? what do you mean that the business owner is not making money? Um, that's, you know, from an employee's point of view, I, I get the feeling that a lot of healthcare employees don't realize that, um, you know, it's, often the yeah. business owner makes less yeah, exactly. than all of their the, employees the, the idea, for a long time. Well, th- there's this idea and I know it's a sentiment, uh, that exists in healthcare, private healthcare, especially there's like, I have to charge this. So Ma, the owner can drive a Ferrari, <laughs> you know, <laughs> has, has your, your Ferrari. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. How's your front? Yeah, yeah. It's it's about five centimeters yeah. long. It yeah. comes in a little package. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's great. So yeah. the NDIS salary rate is a hundred six hundred sixty six dollars and ninety nine cents. I was like, well, I don't get that money, so that means it must be going to you then. Mm. <laughs> There's a couple of steps in between, there, <laughs> and then in COVID, it's like, well, there's, there's none of it goes, none of it, none of minus it. that goes. Yeah, yeah look, I, COVID before COVID, like there are times in the beginnings of businesses where you're putting more money into the business that you're taking out of it. Yeah. So, like, imagine paying to go to work for a, a year. Mm. Like, it's a, it's a as an investment, but you don't know. You, it's, it's you not don't know like, that that investment is actually going to pay it's off. It's not like an index fund or a super fund where it's like, yeah, yeah, 10% mm. a year, mate. You'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we. how far post-COVID are we now? Oh. And what year is it? <laughs> where are we? Simply Stronger has <laughs> only half, yeah. been literally breaking even post-COVID for like the last six or seven months. Yeah, mm. wow. Before it's going to be profitable mm. again. Like Mm -hmm. it has taken that long to build back up to where we needed to be because there was this time period where it was like, all right, I need more staff to be able to grow, Mm. but that costs money. Mm. So you got to invest in that sort of stuff. And then every time you bring on another staff member, it's another investment. And it just, it, it's, I'm willing to take that sacrifice because that is the big picture of growth that I want to build to be able to, not just build a a business that can, you know, eventually pay me a Ferrari kind of wage. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that Ferrari wage, yeah. Anyway, um, but that actually supports the community. I mean, that's what we got into this for, right, mm, is absolutely. to build a business that is going to be beneficial to mm. the people and help them in so many ways. Mm. You know, mm, mm. when it makes enough money to pay my staff really well, that's a beautiful thing mm. because those those EPs are worth so much. What they give to the community is incredible. Mm. Yeah, I I don't I hear you know you hear, you hear these whispers of people feeling like business owners are like withholding pay, like I'm gonna pay myself more so that I can pay people less it's like how, uh, i don't sit here go like yes i'm underpaying people right that's that's not a good feeling and to your exact point like we want to pay people what they're worth and the 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 value that they're giving to their clients and to the community and to the business um sometimes that's not 300k a year <laughs> yep <Right? laughs> yep Sometimes that's that's a bit less than that. Yeah, but like we're in healthcare. Like yeah, pick this, your pick your industry. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make pick that kind of money? Pick your industry. Yeah, this is not your industry. Go into rehab consulting. Yeah, yeah. Right. You yeah. want you want the KPIs and the and the you know do this. Here's your big bonus. <laughs> don't don't see clients. <laughs> don't see clients. That's the way. And don't pay people city clients either. <laughs> so yeah. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, be, turns a, out that don't be e- on either side of this equation. <laughs> yeah. mm. Mm. There you go. It's a, uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's really, really interesting that people um, maybe have these expectations. They come in here and, oh, I'm going to make heaps of money. 
because people pay healthcare professionals lots of money to go and see them. It's like, yes, where do you work? Does that place have lights? Does that place have equipment? Mm. Uh, does that place have admin staff, perhaps? Do you have a clinic software? <laughs> yeah, um, and, 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 yeah, and, 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 all of the things. Mm. You know? mm. And on top of that, um, like one of the things that I was taught in my very early uni days in my postgrad was that as EPs, we are the one profession that has the time to actually um, spend with people and get to know them. And you talk, you guys have talked a lot on this podcast about the need for the soft skills. Mm. And that is exactly what we do as EPs mm. is we talk to people and we get to know them. And if you run 15 and 20 minute appointments, you don't get to know people. Mm. I mean, you can't actually do anything productive in that time no. anyway. No. But you can't get to know them and we can't make that kind of difference. So if you're going to run longer appointments, then the profit margins are going to be smaller. Hmm. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it that way. So you look at a lot of other allied health and this was, we were talking yesterday about the changes in the work cover in Victoria. Oh, uh, yeah. So we Do went you know work from... cover sucks in Victoria? <laughs> 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 look, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be that you had $110 for dollars for a session, right? Mm. Didn't matter the length of the session as long as it was over 20 minutes. We did an hour for 110. Mm. Um, and then we got this letter that was like, congratulations, you're going to be paid the same rate as physios. FYI, it's only 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it went down. It's now, I think, up to about $68, $69, right? For 30 minutes. Yeah. And Tough. Fuck. And that's it. You don't get money to write reports. You don't get money to case conference. No case conferencing money. We get $16 per five minutes. You get none of that. So you spend your $69 real wisely, guys. I think uh, there's there's a few EPs I know from Western Australia. And I think their, their rate's about 300, 310. Oh, oh. Like, just fuck off. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. 300. Dollars. Australian dollars. Australian dollars. <laughs> Australian Mate, dollars. Mate, that mining money. <laughs> How do we get it's some of that? It's a fly in, fly out roll. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'll see, I'll see 10 clients a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. It just shows the disparity between yeah. like, and, and then the motivations to be able to provide. Like, d- does it become a compromise? Like as a business owner, to, to see that reduction, do you change what you do? Yeah, we chose yeah. not to see work cover clients. So we, we're open about it. We occasionally get referrals and we tell them there is a gap. Now, the problem is that the, the whole work cover scheme is not sold to society as a co-payment. No. They no, don't. They the don't, perception they don't, they don't is they don't pay shit here. No. But the perception yeah. is that you get injured at work, you will be fully covered. Mm. Mm. Right? Where's the education around that? So if you want to, as the government, cut down the amount that you're paying for that, 
you need to educate the people and tell them that there's a difference. Mm. That is such a state-specific problem, which is so weird because I would also assume that if I got injured at work, insurance would pay for it. Pays part of it. Yeah. And it pays That's some a, of the things. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a $20 per half hour difference, New South Wales to Victoria. Mm-hmm. Like our rate's eighty-seven seventy for for a half hour uh, subsequent consult, um, which is madness. Mm. That how is New South Wales Sarah and Victorian WorkSafe so different? Well, it's a state based. Yeah. Um, but there's no like, fuck. I hope Sarah doesn't look at Victoria and go, oh, why are we spending so much money here? <laughs> <laughs> we could just cut it down and yeah. see what happens. And, I mean, you don't actually hear about what's actually happening. You know, we – one particular um, client had well, – didn't become a client of ours because they weren't willing to pay a gap. That's mm. fine. We mm. recommended other businesses in the area that they could go and see. Mm. We continued for months to get CC'd into reports from other people mm. saying that all these things aren't happening because he hasn't been able to engage in exercise. Mm. Mm. And the whole time my staff are coming to be going, but he, he really needs to yeah. be active. Mm. Yeah, he does. Mm. Are you going to take a pay cut? Yeah. No, to exactly. be able to facilitate this? Like Where, it's it not, it's yeah. not achievable. And the point was mm. that... So much of what we do involves education. Mm. We can't just throw exercises at someone no. and hope it works, mm. and then when it doesn't, be like, oh, "We tried." We are, we Sorry, are as as EPs. We are really, and this is removed from the work cover conversation. We are really uniquely placed that short term, acutely, our intervention sucks. Long term, mm. incredibly good. And by short term, I mean like in 15 minutes, we can't do much very useful intervention. That was a horrible sentence. We can't do a very useful intervention in 15 minutes uh, that's going to have a lot of impact to a person. Um, But over 8, 12, 18, 24 weeks, we can have the most useful intervention. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Other professions who can do these other therapies can have incredible impact in five to 15, 20 minutes, you know? So it's really interestingly placed that we need longer in a session to have good impact over a longer period of time. And Uh, that's the catch-22, isn't it? Because we, we... have so long wanted to be seen as equals to all Mm. of the other allied health and we're not Mm. we're different Mm. right so we need more time Mm. both immediately Mm. and over the long term to Mm. have that kind of impact Mm. but so we can't be seen as the same like we can't do the same treatment as a no. physio or a chiro or an osseo no. or anyone else in that time period. Mm. It's just not the same. Yeah. But give us the time and we will do better. Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting. So I I come from a family of chiros. Both my parents are chiros and my partner is a chiro. Uh, they all work together. <laughs> Very interesting situation I live in. Uh, <laughs> my partner works for my parents. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> and they their appointment lengths are for subsequent are you know fifteen minutes generally speaking for mm. your for your everyday must kind of client. Um, if I had fifteen minutes, I'd I've barely said hello. Yeah, mm. I've warmed up. I've I've, st- I've done a couple warm up sets of something, mm. and yeah. we're about to have an effect. We're about yeah. to have an effect, and and they're um, like, if you give me more than fifteen minutes, like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I've already done what I was gonna do. It's like I've already done the thing, mm. um, and I've done the thing, and they already feel better. So why would I spend fifteen minutes longer with them? It's like that's a very good point. You've done the thing that that client has found valuable to pay you, you know, $60 to $80 for that 15 minutes mm-hmm. already. Um, and so the client is very happy to go, all right, I'll see you later. So I'd like four times that for an hour? Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? So yeah. so give me $240 for an hour. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and around this area, $60 for a Cairo appointment is cheap. Mm-hmm. So bump that out to 80 it's like, okay, well, I want to do a 45-minute session. You know, give me $270, $280. is not it? Like mm. people go and see a Cairo or any, anyone else and they're happy to pay the money for the outcome. Mm. Whereas so often they come and see us and it's the time. Mm. You know, mm. oh, I'm only seeing you for 45 minutes versus mm. 50 minutes, 60 mm. minutes, whatever. Or... Why don't I feel great after our session? It's yeah. like, no, no, no. So the value you're getting from our session is in eight to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. not how you walk out of the clinic right now. And that is a reframe of expectations for, for clients that I think new grads struggle with initially because very rarely do clients come in and go, hey, let me know what you need from me to feel better in three months' time. Clients come in and they're part of our medical system, which is a do this and do this now and make me feel better now kind of system. And that's not how we work. That's not how our intervention works. That's not what our evidence shows us we can do over a short period of time. We can change the way uh, people's beliefs. We can change the way uh, we can do behavior change and we can... uh, do a lot of goal setting and planning with people and create an awesome management plan that they buy into. But the actual physiological impact of that, they might feel in two to three months time or longer. And reframing that expectation early with a client is so important. That if you come in and go, yeah, let's do exercise. Exercise is the most evidence-based thing you can do for this condition that you have. And then in a week's time, they go, well, I don't feel any better. Why would I go back and see them? And it's like, well, you haven't talked to that person well enough about what your intervention is. Because exercise isn't like a manipulation or passive therapy that they're going to walk out of the clinic and feel incredibly better. Mm. It's not like that. So that person's walked in with that expectation that they feel better walking out of the clinic that day. You need to work out how to either manage that expectation and change it or meet that expectation. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and, change, and change from what you think is actually the best clinical thing you can do. But I think as well, um, so many new grads haven't actually been through anything to have had that experience of what that behaviour change mm. feels like. So, yes, we, we learn through seeing that with our clients, but 
unless you've been through an injury or have a disability or have something else that goes on, how are you going to have that understanding of it? Mm. it? At the point that they graduate, it's all theoretical. Yeah. So they don't really know to change that expectation mm. until it's in their face mm. failing because clients are not rebooking yeah. when they have not felt what they mm. thought that they should feel mm-hmm. when their experience has been with passive therapies. Mm. Mm. And I feel like another word for theoretical there is prescriptive, that they come out going, well, here's the prescription for the condition that this person is presented with, so I do that. Um, and that client goes, no, I want to feel better. And it's like, well, you need to do this and you need to do this for this long. And it's like, but you haven't made me want to do that or explain to me why that is actually mm. helpful and got me on side at all or made me mm. feel like this is what I need to do. I feel like since finishing uni, the most beneficial professional development that I've done has not been around exercise prescription whatsoever. It has been around like behavior change and psychology, <laughs> even, which is like, we need more. Learning about the people. Exactly. Yeah. If anything, like our role is more similar to psychological therapy than it is to any of the other passive therapies, passive physical therapies. And you wouldn't say work safe, cut down a psych's appointment to 20 minutes. Fuck no, they wouldn't. <laughs> no. no, exactly. Because like, no, we're talk therapy. It's like, well, at the end of the day, we're really talk therapy as well. Unless you want to spend 210 minutes in here with me a week. Yeah. <laughs> which is the clinical guidelines for <laughs> most conditions. Um, we ain't getting shit done. You know, it's like shit ain't changing. So um, we like if I bring this back to what people need to focus on and learning wise, it's psychological and it's talk therapy and it's behavior change. Because mm. that's how our intervention works it's not like beep boop beep let me poke you and do these things to you and you feel better mm. it's like no you're gonna do deadlifts and probably feel like shit when you leave <laughs> and you'll be sore tomorrow mm. and the day after that mm. <laughs> and you're gonna be sweaty and mm. you feel a bit gross and you might be tired tonight and you might be tired tomorrow um, but this is a good thing i promise <laughs> <laughs> just think about the long term that i yeah. haven't told you about but mm. it'll be there yeah. yeah think about the fucking long term don't think about the short term mm. oh, very very weird oh dear jeez bit of, bit of a rant there <laughs> rants are good we rants like friends we do love rants here how's your beer going it's it's gone it's gone wow mm. sarah it's how's good. your beer going uh, there's a little bit left in the bottom of that one. Perhaps just enough for one more part, I reckon, that we'll come back for in a couple days. Uh, the, the next part is going to be uh, covering some professionalism and pants talk. So get ready for that one. Look forward to seeing you there. Bye.